I'm reading from 1 Thessalonians. All right. 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. I'm sorry. I got the wrong. I got the wrong sermon note. Leviticus. There's a lot of numbers. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 19, beginning at verse number 35. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hen shall you have I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt therefore shall you observe all of my statutes and all of my judgments and do them I am the Lord and then one more reading and that's from Psalms or Proverbs I'm sorry Proverbs the 16th chapter and the 11th verse a just weight and balance are the Lord's all the weights of the bag are his work. I want to talk to you this morning about the weights and measurements of God. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask God for the anointing of the Lord to come, Lord Jesus, and that you would help us, God, today, even as you've been with us here. At this point, continue, Lord God, to speak to us through the word of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank and praise you today. In Jesus' mighty name. All right, shake a few hands. Welcome someone to the house of God. It's so great to have Brother Tim Smith back with us. And uh, Jeff Smith back with us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brother Jeff, would you just wave your hand there? That's, that's Jeff, Jeff Smith, right? Jeff Smith. The Navy is working on a project, and they sent us two Smiths. <laughs> Tim Smith, you know, Jeff Smith is, is a United Pentecostal uh, member of the United Pentecostal Church, and uh, they're going to be with us for five or six weeks here working on a project, so I just wanted uh, everyone to be introduced to him who was not here Wednesday to, uh, for him to be here. And then uh, this morning, on uh, Wednesday, I uh, preached a message uh, that I said would be the first of a four-part series of messages that are progressive in nature, and, um, the, and what I preached on Wednesday uh, was beaten, bruised, and broken. It was really a landmark style message. So if you, did, you weren't here to hear it, you need to go on 
log on the line and listen to it. There are a lot of people who, who I believe this will really help you with your life. And uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna pick up and we're gonna take on from there over the next, over today and over the next few messages. And this is, uh, this is about helping us to get a grip on things that uh, disturb and trouble us so that uh, we, can, uh, we can live a better life and, and, uh, and uh, be free in our heart and in our mind. Someone has wisely said that in the choir of life, it's easy to fake the words, but someday each of us will have to sing a solo before God. Well, if you've ever sang in a choir, you know what that's about. I mean, you just forgot the words, you just kind of mime, you know, and everyone else on either side of you will carry it, carry it for a while until you figure it out. But when you have to stand out there and do it all by yourself, it's a whole different take, it's a whole different story. And we're all going to have to sing a solo one day. And so this is what life is about, is to prepare us and to get us ready. And in a strange twist of fate, one Vera Sersmak, upon learning that her husband had cheated on her, jumped out of her third-story window in Prague. And the newspaper there, the Vizerni Praha, reported that Mrs. Cernak was recovering in the hospital after landing on her husband, who did not survive. Amen. He got his, didn't he? They all can feel good about that. He got justice. Call it what you will. Fate, luck, destiny, karma. I hate that word. <laughs> but uh, we humans all seem to have an appreciation for vindication, for justice. It's at the heart of our storytelling. And without it, without it, the bad guy getting his in the end, we wouldn't be satisfied. Uh, the story would have what we would consider a poor closer if after all that stress and effort, we've chased that bad guy through all those four or 500 pages and he gets away with it in the end, we will be distressed. We will not rest at night. It'll bother us in our sleep, and we'll have a sense of dis-ease about us uh, because something didn't get wrapped up the way it should have gotten wrapped up. So we all want the story to be wrapped up in the end. We all want it to be tied up in a bow and fixed, and we want to be able to walk away and have a good feeling about that's the way life is supposed to work. Wished that it always did work that way in life, but, but it doesn't always work that way seemingly in life. Perhaps we as humans were born with his drive. <clears throat> Maybe it's part and parcel of the condition of being human that makes us human, not an animal, to, to, to have this higher intelligence and to have this higher moral uh, intelligence and desire for justice. Perhaps... More probably, we come conditioned to it by the stories that we tell each other, especially from childhood up. Those fairy tales always have the bad guy being taken out in the end and, 
and the prince or the princess being justice vindicated and justice being served. But more to the point, in the greatest book ever written, certainly leans heavily in that direction of wrapping things up and putting a proper closure on the end of everything. The separation of forces, forces, the struggle between good and evil, between right and wrong, told in the Bible's pages, clearly make the point that there ought to be justice, judgment, and vindication in life. It is very much the measure of the Bible to sort it out and to equalize it. And if God doesn't right wrongs, who can? If he can't fix it up, who can make it right? Yet, the same time that people want and expect God to do something about perceived evil, they also tend to defy God when he does it. Part of the human nature and why we need God, and why we need a spiritual fix in our life is because things do go wrong, bad things do happen to good people, and we do feel uh, violated, and we do wish to be vindicated, and uh, God is the one that we can turn to ultimately to sort these things out. At the same time, we want vindication. There's something else that appeals seemingly more to the dark side of humanity. Above and beyond the call to justice and vindication, there is a darker cry, and it is a cry for revenge, vengeance. And uh, it is this particular uh, peculiarity of human nature that so unevenly waits the just balances and measures of God and gets us mixed up and tied up. Revelation 9, 20 and 21 says that the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, neither repented they of their murders, of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. The book of Revelation is all about God evening the score, God pouring out justice, God creating a balance. And, and, but yet, yet, despite the opportunity uh, that people would have to change their way, to, to read the paper, so to speak, and to realize that God is reading their mail and that they need to change, instead of changing, they persist in defying God. It's sort of like this story of, uh, of this particular community. And uh, it, it, it shows us that sometimes the cup of iniquity is full and that people are ripe for judgment. They should be judged. And such was the case. Uh, and, and it may happen as it did uh, in the city of Messina, Italy, a beautiful and flourishing city. And in, in the early morning of December 28, 1908, an earthquake struck there. 84,000 human beings died in that earthquake. But only a few hours before this devastating earthquake, which laid the city and the surrounding districts in ruins, the unspeakably wicked and irreligious condition of some of the inhabitants was expressed in a series of violent resolutions that were passed against 
all objections. In the newspaper journal El Telefono, printed in Messina, it actually published in its Christmas issue an abominable parody daring the Almighty to make himself known by sending an earthquake. Three days later, the earthquake came. 84,000 people died. The weights and the measurements of God and the justice of God. You see, we want it, and yet we oftentimes defy it and get in God's way. So we see that there is this need for vindication. And, and we see it building throughout the book of Revelation. In Revelation 6 and 10, the Bible says that the souls that were slain for their testimony under the altar in heaven were crying, How long, O Lord God, righteous and true? How long uh, before you avenge us of our blood that was shed? In Revelation 8, it picks up that thought again by saying that the prayers of the saints are the incense of a fiery vengeance that is to be poured out upon the wicked of the earth. And in Revelation 16, 5 and 6, he says, I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and which was and which shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. So is the theme of the book of Revelation. Amen. The wicked are going to get what's coming to them. It's throughout the thread, the warp and the woof, the tapestry of the whole book of Revelation and of the whole Bible. And so we think how long somebody has done wrong. How long will it be before they get what is theirs? I'm, I'm often... Uh, uh, I, I am disturbed, let's put it this way, by what I see in a modern trend in America whenever uh, someone is being uh, accused of a crime or being brought to justice, there is a strong desire, it seems, an overwhelming desire for vengeance from those whose, uh, you know, whose, whose case is uh, being brought before the court. They want vengeance, they want vengeance. People who want so much vengeance forget the wrongs they have done to other people. Amen. They easily forget that they are not right all the time in all their behavior and in all the ways that they've been, uh, been, been dealt with. And who is to decide what weight a crime has? Who is to decide how much an offense weighs? For the one to whom it is done, it weighs a lot. But for others who, who, who have not had it happen to them, the weight is not nearly so much. But if the thing that is driving our justice system is revenge, it won't be long before some very terrible outcomes uh, in so-called justice will be the case, some very terrible ones. Justice is a marred thing, at least as far as we humans are concerned, and at least as far as we have the ability to make it, it is a marred thing. And this is becoming, to me, increasingly clear 
as we see the unfolding political partisanship in the highest echelons of our government. The drama that's taking place in the FBI, in the Department of Justice, this, this Hillary Gate and this Trump-Russia collusion uh, investigation and, and uh, the people that are supposed to uphold the law and police the land uh, are, are waiting justice in the favor of those whose party, whose political affiliation they are in line with, it seems. Story is not complete, it hasn't been completely told, but each day we learn some new facts that are coming out about the goings on. I grew up, and most, some of us did, most of us didn't, but those of us that are my age and older, uh, re remember, well, we remember something called Watergate. And it brought a president down, and it, 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 it changed the political direction of the country for a term or two. It changed who was in the office of the White House and who was in the Congress. It changed law. It helped to change laws of the land. It, had, it helped to change the nature of the Supreme Court uh, and the court system and so forth and so on. It brought sweeping changes that, that brought so-called progressive political uh, thought into power and removed conservative thought from power and set us on a course uh, that we are now finding today. And yet not nearly the crime and corruption was committed there as is apparently committed here. And one of the lawyers that was working on the Watergate case to uncover and to discover cause was a very young recently graduated from her Ivy League college lawyer, whose name was Hillary Clinton. And I cannot help but think that the balance of justice would not be served if in the end she doesn't get judged for the corruption in her own closet. Her server, her campaign, her fix of a campaign, all of that. It would seem only right and fair if she doesn't get coming around to her what went around. They say what goes around comes around. If I were a political cartoonist, I would draw a picture of Hillary as the lady of justice pushing down the scale against the Republicans and against Donald Trump and against any conservatives pushing, pushing down the scale, the weight of justice. For it does not seem to me that justice is a reality in America any longer. It does not seem that way to me. And I think it does not seem that way to a lot of people. When we can no longer trust those whose job it is to measure justice, and to maintain it and to uphold it because they are going to act in their own private perceived interest rather than in the interest of the law who is supposed to turn a blind eye to the person and only look at the case. Then what hope can any of us really have to receive justice at this system? Well, 
I'll move away from that. I've made some of you uncomfortable enough. <laughs> but when something happens to us that we feel is wrong, <clears throat> there's a lot of factors that have to be considered to weight the scales of justice. Some folks will be surprised when they go to court, sure of their case, only to find that it will turn against them because there are many things in our systems that take place. Viewpoints take place. Viewpoints matter. The viewpoints of all the people involved in the case matter. Politics apparently matter in the case. Information matters in the case. So much gets mixed up of information. It gets mixed up, it gets lost, it gets unheard, it gets misreported, it gets unconsidered by those who's, who are in the position to wait judgment on. So our system of justice is not a fail-safe one. It is not a sure one. It, it, it is one in which, uh, which we know that we have to get the best lawyer or the right lawyer and that we also have to try to get the best venue. We need to try to find a particular judge uh, that might uh, be more lenient than another judge might be. And then we want to be highly selective about a jury and to consider who is going to be on that board of panel of jurists who are going to make decisions about us. And so the whole process of who can qualify and, and perhaps, and you can see that all throughout our system of so-called justice, there are Flaws. There are serious flaws and serious problems. And so what we think of as justice is not always done. We don't always arrive at it. It doesn't always happen the way we think it should. But God who sits above, who sits high and looks low, sees all that is going on. God doesn't miss anything. He not only sees the actions, but he knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's amazing to me that an FBI official would say that somebody who broke a law, broke several laws, broke national security laws, would say that we didn't discover any intent to do it, therefore they're not guilty to do it. You let the FBI get in your home and get at you for anything, and it doesn't matter what your intention was. If they've got some goods on you, it doesn't matter what your intention was. By the way, that ought to open up a new can of worms for every lawyer in America. If all of a sudden I didn't break the law because I didn't intend to break the law, then I can get away scot-free going to change things in America if that's the way things roll. Take that, to, take that to the court the next time you have to go. I didn't intend to break speed limit, officer. I just had my mind on my cell phone at the time I was talking on. <laughs> but God sees all he knows all. And the thing about it is because we are not perfect, and because we tend to see things affecting us from our own viewpoint, and we are always going to be more favorable to our viewpoint 
and easier on ourselves than we are for other people. It is because of this that Jesus said, uh, warning us about judging other people, that we need to take the camel out of our eye before we remove the speck out of someone else's eye. Uh, that speaks very clearly to how uh, we perceive justice and right and wrong. If I'm the one that's offended, then I'm all upset about it, and I'm all up in arms about it. Sometimes we get offended by things that people did to us that they don't even know they did. They weren't intending to do it. They had no intention at all. Some people are really good about reading between the lines. We read between the lines. Somebody walks by you and they never said anything to you. and You read between the lines. Well, I felt something when they walked by. <laughs> then you stayed up all night grinding it in your meat grinder up here. Going over and over. Building the case against that person. And the next thing you know, you're on the phone slapping them down. Talking about them and getting on them. And, and they don't even know you got a problem with them. Because they didn't even know they did anything wrong. And all of a sudden, you built a case against them. And, oh, you're so righteous. And you want everyone else to agree with you. You're not looking for people to set it straight. You're not looking for people to tell you the way it is. You're looking for people to say, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, you know, I, 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 that's what we're looking for. But, but God sees everything. And the, the thing of it is that God sees deep down into the deepest secrets of our own heart. And he realizes, amen, that a lot of the things that block us from being a vindicated is our own corruption that's in us. Something is wrong in us that's stopping us from getting from God what we need or from getting from life what we need uh, because uh, <coughs> there, there's something that needs to be dealt with in us first. We need a trip to the altar. And we need a trip to the altar and, you know, the thing about the altar is it's a painful thing to go to the altar. And many of you know that because you don't go. <laughs> if I go to the right, I can get out of here quicker. Praise the Lord. Amen. <coughs> Nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. Everything's all right with me. The thing about the altar is we have to, it strips us bare. I mean, a true altar experience is one that strips us bare. That we need to be able, we're going down here. We're going to, I'm making this trip because all of a sudden I'm seeing myself the way God sees me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making this trip to the altar. I'm not concerned about what other people see or what they see or what they think about me because you don't know me. Sometimes I don't even know me. But God knows me. And I'm making that trip to the altar because suddenly I see something in here that I need help with. I need God to help me. And I'm humbled by what I see. And I'm making that trip to the altar. God sees us very clearly. And so, sometimes we have to wait, and some people wait even beyond their lifetime. But because God sees it and understands it and knows justice, justice will be served in the end. 
even if we had to wait past our lifetime. At some point, if we deserve vindication, we are going to receive vindication. If we deserve it, we're going to receive it. But I would make the point that because the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, for in the same measure that you judge, you shall be judged, I would make the point that most of us do not deserve the vindication that we expect to receive. Because in some measure, we have retained it for ourselves. By that which we withhold from others, we keep to ourselves. By refusing to let something go that was done us, we are getting all the vengeance that we're going to get for it. So if you want more and you're not satisfied that you've got everything that you want to get, you just keep holding on to that anger. You keep holding on to that unforgiveness. You keep holding on to it. Amen. Because you're not going to get any more than that. God said, okay. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will repay. But if that ain't good enough for you, you go ahead and get your own. Just stay mad. Just try to figure it out. Just try to get even. Because that's all you're going to get. Now. You say, but God, that's not fair. That's not fair. I, I want you to set me up. God is less concerned about setting us up than he is setting us free. to us do not have to own us. They do not have to own us. But if we keep them there, so long as we do, they shall own us. And we can't be free until we surrender and allow them to go. Hallelujah. We need to put our case in God's hands. For he is a judge we can trust, and he won't get it wrong. He'll get it right. Hallelujah. I can't really get any justice until I get me out of the picture. Because all the weights in God's bag are just. All of his measures are just, they're all correct. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, wait a minute. Wait, 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 God, over, over here, no, 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 over here. No, God said no. Look, you didn't see this over here. This is in you. I got a measure for that. I got to count for that. I'm going to put it over. Oh, God, no, no, no. Hallelujah. You can't love your brother. You can't love God whom you don't see if you can't love your brother who you do see. Right. 
Because all the weights and measures of God are just. Hallelujah. Amen. You cannot say, I love God to hate a brother or sister of the Lord because you want vengeance, you want vindication, you want justice. God is saying, I can't do anything for you because you're trying to pull your own weights on the scale. And I got mine. And I see the truth here. And you don't see it. I see the truth. Hallelujah. There must be a return of balance of cosmic values. The Godhead requires it in the end for everything to be wrapped up. Everything to be balanced cosmically. And so, amen, everything that couldn't be fixed or saved goes to hell. Everything. Satan, the fallen angels, and fallen humanity have chosen their fate to join them. They're all going there forever and for all eternity, and from which there is no escape. And those that are deemed correct and righteous and judged right and correctly are going to go to God and heaven for all eternity. And everything will be weighted out. It'll all be balanced out. In the end, it gets balanced out. Hallelujah. The Islamic picture of the, of the eternal life and judgment and the judgment day is quite wrong from a Christian point of view because they believe that everything that we do gets put in a, in a scale and weighed the good against the bad. And their salvation depends on their good deeds being more than their bad deeds in life. That's the whole idea of some kind of cosmic karma that most people hold on to to this day. Well, I wasn't all that bad, so God really can't judge me all that much. Hallelujah. But our, our judgment from God doesn't depend on the weight and balance of the good we've done or the bad we've done in our life. We're all going to do some good and bad in our life. But the weight of judgment depends on whether or not we have surrendered to Jesus, our lawyer in heaven, and given him our case. And when somebody surrenders to the Lord and says, Lord, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm, I'm going to let you be the Lord of my life. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to handle my case. You can take my case to court. I put my case in your hands. Jesus is a lawyer in heaven, and he can win every time because, amen, he took the blame for us, amen, and, and, and that gives us an out, amen. It isn't about how much good or bad that you have done, but how much the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your life, which is why we need those trips to the altar. We need those trips to the altar, amen, because we're taking ourselves down there and putting ourselves under his dominion once again. Handle my case again. Hallelujah. One of the most famous people in the Bible, uh, there is this case to be made uh, from the life of Paul in Acts the ninth chapter. We read this. Saul rose from the earth. When his eyes were opened, and he saw no man, for they led him by the hand, and they brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight, neither did he eat or drink. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go to the street which is called Straight, 
inquired at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many, I've heard of many of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on his name. Well, that's, man, that's, that's man talking to God. That's Ananias talking to God. Ananias had a point. He had a case. Lord, the Lord just gave him some very clear instructions, but he's got some advice to the Lord. <laughs> but Lord, did you consider this before you told me to go down there? That man can arrest me and take me to jail. The Lord said, Go thy way, for he is the chosen vessel unto me to hear my, bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. We all love Paul, right? We, he's perhaps the most, most famous, one of the most famous people in the New Testament. We love him. We owe a lot to Paul. We owe a lot to Paul. But do you ever consider the pain and hurt that those Christians in Jerusalem suffered at this man's hands? There were some dead people because of Paul. There were some relatives and survivors of people who had lost their lives because of Paul. There were still saints in prison and in threat of death and perhaps could still even die because of this man's work. That church in Jerusalem had been devastated by the activities of this man who heavily involved himself in sorting them out and persecuting them. Did any of them have a case against this man? Do you think? How they must have felt, where's justice for me, God? Where's justice for me? What? You're going to turn around and save him? You're going to save him? He's not going to go to hell. He's not going to get his in the end. You're going to save him? How, well, what about me, God? What about me? Hallelujah. You see, the Lord sees things we don't see. And he looks deeply into our lives and he sees things that we don't see. And he sees things about other people that we don't see. And God saw something about this man that all of those people, many of them, hundreds perhaps of them, who had a case against him and a desire for vindication and justice and revenge, God saw something in Paul and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. But, God is saying, I will show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. Because the weights and the measurements of God are just. Weights and the measurements of God are just. And we must understand something. We can make mistakes and we can do wrong and we can do hurtful things for which we can receive mercy and grace and forgiveness, but there are consequences. Actions have consequences. And though we can be forgiven the sin, we may have to suffer the consequence. Could be jail time, 
could be illness in our body. You know, you play around down low and you got AIDS, you got HIV. You know, God can forgive you of your sin. You can straighten up your life and change it, but you've got a consequence in your body. There's many things that we could see in that, in that way. God warns the men of the Old Testament. He warns the men of Israel against the mistreatment of their wives, the wife of their youth. And he says that these women are crying tears, men, because, because of your behavior with other women against the wife of your youth. Well, she's not young anymore. Amen. She might have looked like a Coke bottle when you married her, but now she more, looks more like a gallon jug. But she's still your gallon jug. Hallelujah. Amen. And you need to do right by her. Do right by her. Respect her. Amen. And do right. And she's crying tears. And God's saying, I'll get you for that. Listen here, men. That's what God said. I'll get you for that. You mistreat her. You know? All right. Y'all got real quiet on me. That door's still open. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now let's stand together. I'm going to close. You see, the problem, the problem here for us is that most people don't want justice. They want vengeance. We want revenge. And they don't think it's justice unless they feel like they got vengeance. But revenge is dark and ugly. It's the darker side of human nature. It's an ugly thing. How much do we really want vengeance? I mean, some people wouldn't mind pulling the lever or putting the injection in the arm of somebody who'd done something terrible. But in the Old Testament, the Bible said if, if a person, a man or a woman, blasphemed God or worshipped an idol, went out and worshipped a, a false god or an idol, those that saw him do it or knew him to do it, and accused him, and it had to be by two or three. No single accusation would work. It had to be in the multitude of witnesses. That those that accused him of that crime, which was punishable by death, would be the first ones to lay their hand against him to stone him to death. Now, I know good and well most of you would not do that because you don't want to rat nobody out. <laughs> you know one of your church members is doing something they shouldn't do? Mum's the word. You ain't going to tell pastor because you don't want to be a rat. I'm, well, <laughs> amen. That's okay. God knows. He'll, he'll figure it out. He'll, he'll make it known. He makes it known. He has a way of making it known. That's okay. So, so you'd never be the first one to put your hand on somebody to stone them to death. So, but supposing, you know, it was some, something they didn't do against God, but they did against you. Didn't do it against God, but they did it against you. Then I hear about it. Yeah. Then you want somebody to 
line them up against the wall, take them down. Vengeance is dark and ugly. Forgiveness is the first step toward restoration. We, we can't be restored to the Lord without seeking forgiveness. We want to be forgiven. Lord, forgive me. That's the first step toward restoration. And restoration, people, is the first step toward balance. Think about it. What does it mean to restore something? Bring it back to its proper place. Bring it back to its proper place. The Bible says if, you, if somebody has wronged you, if a brother or sister has wronged you, leave your gift at the altar and go to that person and make it right. Don't come down here and cry to God and say, God, fix them. God, fix them. They did me wrong. But go and seek mercy. Go seek forgiveness. Go seek a way back. Because forgiveness leads to restoration. And restoration brings things back to balance. At one time, it worked well between you and this person. Now it doesn't. What went wrong? They did me wrong. They never apologized. They never made it right. Well, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it to try to restore balance? Because how can we sit here in the same church with one person way up here and another person way down here, and we put them down here, judging them, putting them down, wanting God to fix it, wanting other people to fix it? How can we sit in the same church? And have anything good happen in the church. We need balance. We need harmony. Yes, you have a case. Sure you do. You're offended and maybe you have every right to be offended. And to be angry. And to want vindication. And to want justice. But there's no balance. Where there's no harmony, there's no balance. And sometimes we have to be the bigger person. We have to be the bigger person. And when you become the bigger person, you follow the God path. You follow the light. Because God is light. And God is bigger. And he forgave us. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and it, oh, hallelujah. He forgave me. Hallelujah. So instead of sitting there stewing in your own juices and percolating in your own dark desires, surrender that need to God, put it in his hand, and forgive, and set yourself free. Set yourself free. Set yourself free. Because you want balance after all. You want harmony after all. And unless you do something, it'll never swing your way. Unless you do something. And sometimes all we have to do to say, here's, here's, the, here's the arm of the scale and here's the balances on either side. This person wronged me. They wronged me. And uh, I'm up here and they're down here. Hallelujah. But I can take the weight out of God's bag. All his weights and measures are just. I can take the weight out of God's bag and put it over here and bring things back to balance. Well, they never, they never said, I'm sorry. They never said, I'm sorry. So what? 
Forgive them. And, and be better than that. Don't, don't be hanging around in that dark evil. Just be better than that. Be bigger than that. Hallelujah. It, it, and if, if you can discover the secret of that, you're going to discover the secret of joy to life. Because after all, it's your own life. Why do you want to run around all the time carrying everybody else's bags? And carrying their bags and carrying their weight and their darkness and all the... Why do you want to carry all that mess and just st stew and percolate and, and just, just, just say, I don't care, God, I don't care anymore, I don't care. Just put the weight over here, hallelujah, and balance out my life. And, and, and just let me feel free and let me be happy and let me rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You got a song? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we just gather around together, pray for one another, pray for the Lord's mercy. Hallelujah. The altars are open. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Have mercy upon us, Lord, I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God.